Greetings, this is Jason Hill, and this is the podcast version of Into the Gap, which airs every Saturday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central on WCGO Radio, 1590 a.m. and 95.9 FM in Chicago. Let's get to this week's episode. Here's my co-host, Mike Shrek. You know, as we go to more of this online stuff, you know, I, I do workshops and things like that, and they're not really trainings per se. They're actually more generative, where people kind of create in the moment. It's, it's, more, it's, it's, it's super collaborative, right? And we answer problems around leadership, organizational development, culture change, um, that type of thing. And it, it's really entering into a question without knowing the answer until we actually develop the answer, right? So it's a pretty yeah. cool process of, of discovery. And what I found is there's something that happened. And, and my guess is that's a lot of what you do, especially being a philosophy professor. It's, it's this, of course, you understand it and you know what direction to take it as the professor, but it's also watching these, these students generate thoughts, ideas, awakening, that type of thing. And I, my experience is it's way different doing it in person in a room with people around you than it yeah. is online. Is that, is that yours too? Yeah, it is my experience. But, you know, I, I, I tend to be a hard, I tend to be pretty, I'm not a very sentimental person by nature, but well, yeah, I find I that I'm becoming a little bit more sympathetic towards their plight. And here's the reason why. Mm-hmm. You know, these are students who are graduating, many of whom are graduating in June. Yeah. And before the COVID virus faced, um, you know, in, in many fields faced a tough, a tough employment market yeah, um, real. and are graduating in June. Um, don't know what they're going into in come fall or come July. Yeah. You know, 20 million, the unemployment rate is up to now 14.5%, yeah, 30, 20 million Americans of employment. Yeah. And, and so, in a way, they are disillusioned. They are scared. Mm-hmm. In my case, they've paid thirty-eight to $40,000 to go to DePaul. Yeah. And they, many of them are graduating in June, and they don't know what kind of future awaits them. They're saddled with debt or their parents. Many of them have written to me and said that three students in my class have written to me and said, they're now delivery drivers. Both their parents have lost their jobs. Wow. And they don't know if, if they can come back to school. Yeah. And um, so without infantilizing them, without being too sentimental, mm-hmm. I, I feel for them because, yeah. and then they're, they see these incoming freshmen who not, are not getting the proper cues from most universities about whether or not we're going to go online, mm-hmm. whether we're going to go meet face-to-face, uh, most universities can't be profitable by having single dorms. How are you going to social distance with three to two students in a dormitory, mm-hmm. packed cafeterias, a 400 lecture hall? Uh, universities are just at a loss for what to do in the fall. And students, are, many students are deferring their acceptance until next year. Yeah. So universities could be on the verge of bankruptcy. I mean, there's one university in Illinois, I can't remember its name, but it's 174 years old. It was, it survived, it's more than 174 years old. It survived the civil war, yeah. two world wars, the pandemic, the, 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 the Spanish pandemic. Mm-hmm. 
1918 flu and it's closing it's laying off all its tenured professors all its faculty yeah. all its staff yeah so these kids you know these students are 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 really facing a dilemma and and it's which is not an excuse I mean, I, I know if I were in their position, given the, the maniacally driven, yeah. crazy person that I am, yeah, I and, I and 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 just hopelessly optimistic person I am, yeah, that I would be seizing every moment and laying a five-year plan, yeah. But that's a heavy psychological burden to place on most students who yeah. are not spiritual giants. Yeah, you know, they're ordinary. They're just ordinary students. We're going to have to take a break in about a minute. But what you're pointing to is, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost. And we've been addicted to comfort and convenience. And what's happened is what you're pointing to is these these students have been, for the first 18 to 19 years, have been coddled and spoon-fed all the way up to here. And we're expecting them to come to college. And all of a sudden, the game has changed. And they're, mm-hmm. they're grossly ill-prepared for it. And that's actually on us. But we're going to come back and we're going to talk about all this stuff later on. But this is Mike Sherrick. This is Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. This is WCGO Chicago. Hey, we're back. This is Mike Sherrick, Jason Hill. This is Into the Gap. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, it's, I, I don't think I said what day it was. It's May 9th, 2020, our one-year anniversary today, Jay. So, yeah. So, yeah, how about that? Congratulations. Um, yeah, so there were some things that you wanted to get into today that were uh, uh, need to be addressed, I think. Yeah, and I know you have some things you want to say. Well, there are a couple of things. One is... Um, I don't want to repeat the usual spiel. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been talking about the absence of leadership, which yeah. is in and of itself is an abstraction without concrete, without specific details. And, um, you know, I was, I personally was just very worried about Governor DeSantis of Florida yeah. um, hiding, deliberately muzzling his health ministers from talking about the infection rates and reporting the deaths. Was it infection rates or did he just like squash the death count? It was the infection rates okay. and the death counts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I think that's a very dangerous precedent to set. I mean, we blasted China for doing the same thing. Yeah. And I, you know, data is a very powerful rep weapon against this virus because um, we use data to monitor trends that can stop clusters before they turn into into outbreaks yeah and 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 outbreaks are what help us to the the prevention of outbreaks mm-hmm. are what help us to stop epidemics from coming into um into existence correct and so the american people deserve transparency mm-hmm. and i i i mean i won't impute nefarious motives to the governor like because I, I won't get into psychologizing right, and right. I won't get into, you know, this is to put people back into workplaces before they're ready. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't want to get cynical here. I will just say that this is a very un-American and undemocratic move on the part of a governor of a state yeah. to do something like that. And the other thing that's worrying me mm-hmm. is, you know, I'm an independent conservative yeah. and... Um, I've been talking to a lot of conservatives this week because I'm part of the 1619 project that won the mm-hmm. Pulitzer Prize. Yeah. And I'm part of a counter movement called the 1776 project, which is to counter that 1619 project mm-hmm. to say that 
our nation did not start in 1619 yeah. and America's founding is not predicated on slavery and everything that went wrong with this country cannot be attributed to slavery. And our 1776 project is meant as a corrective to Hannah Jones's uh, 1619 project. So I've been on about, you know, four conference calls this week, each with about 13 conservatives in each room. And barring none, Mm -hmm. every one of them thought that this whole coronavirus was either to bring down Trump. Some of them were still calling it a hoax. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were saying it was mass hysteria. I mean, there's real suffering. And I left that call thinking, whatever happened to compassionate conservatism? Yeah. That, you know, conservatives and my experience, even my conservative friends that I talked to, have a very calcified heart around this whole thing. You know, it's like if you belong to a certain party, the Republican Party, which I'm not a member, Mm -hmm. but if you belong to the Republican Party, you've got to take this view about the virus. And if if, then if you belong to the Democratic Party, you take this view about the virus. Mm -hmm. And that strikes me as very, very sad because there are people suffering. There's real suffering. There's real misery. Yeah. Uh, the 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 pandemic is probably going to get worse it's probably going to last for until there's a vaccine it's probably going to have we're probably going to have various cluster spots mm-hmm. but there's real suffering and heartbreak and loss and misery and to see this calcification of the heart among conservatives is really heartbreaking um and i don't know why people just can't realize that these arid political categories, Democrat, um, uh, Republican, liberal, conservative, are ill-suited to deal with something like a pandemic. I mean, if we think that political categories, which in of themselves are so limited, can capture the various nuances and vagaries of this virus, we're we're just arrogant and stupid. You know, Jay, what you're pointing to is a thing that's been ever since you and I got connected is, has been the thing that I've wrestled with so much is this, this polarization that there's only two viewpoints to any one object issue. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that just isn't true. And, um, you know, I, I, I hear you in, uh, the response to anything that is a criticism of Trump is some type of deep state conspiracy. I'm, I'm getting weary of that too. Uh, you know, President Trump, though, I'm, I haven't uh, rejected him kind of the way that you've kind of, you, like, he's irritated you to the level of almost no return right now. I, I'm not quite there, but from the very beginning, I wasn't all in either because his addiction to saying stupid things and running off the cuff and just talking out his keister, it just is not how I relate to someone who holds the office of president of the United States. Right. So I'm like, dude, seriously. Yeah. So, and he catches a lot from the very beginning, from his very election, the night of his election, there were people protesting. He's not my president. That's never happened before in the history of our country. You know, there were a lot of people that were polarized against Barack Obama and you know, there were even, even his most ardent, uh, objectors still accepted him as president for maybe the first year, you know, before they started the the big pushback. But 
you know, from the very beginning, Trump's been been swimming upstream, caused mostly by the things that come out of his pie hole. But from the very beginning, no one that the, the, the real grace of America is a transition of power from one leader to another. And that didn't happen this time. And that's that's a big problem, you know. Um, so and, and in some of these conservatives, we, we've gotten to be more and more polarized. What's happened with this coronavirus is we become more and more polarized. You know, I, I, I identify, I, I, I wouldn't even have identified as a conservative before this. I, I thought I was like smack dab middle of the road. My brother, who's an ardent conservative, would have called me like the most middle of the road guy there is. And the, the fact of the matter is, is I am weary, absolutely weary of the mainstream media left political agenda all the time. I, it, listen, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm accepting everything Trump and Pence and those guys say you know, um, lock, stock and barrel, but the, the constant attacks and the misinformation that, that they're producing and, and the constant fear mongering that I'm hearing from that side, because I watch MSNBC for a few minutes every day just to, to listen, because it's, even though I don't agree, it's intelligently presented as opposed to, you know, Fox and friends in the morning, which is just, it's like a frat house news conference. I don't know what the hell that is. And I don't get a chance to watch Tucker. You know, I, I should watch Tucker. He's at least intelligent. But, um, but so I watch on MSNBC because there's intelligent people. I love guys like John Meacham. I love, you know, Walter Isaacson that comes on there. I, they bring on intelligent people. But this, this, we, we, we're, there's no longer discourse. There's just name calling. There's pointing. There's scapegoating. There's blaming. And we're not actually engaging with one another. And, and there's constant and ongoing misinformation. I watch the, the J.B. Pritzker um, teleconference, news conferences, right? And what happens with those, you know, they, they get up there and they basically say, listen, we don't know what the information is. We don't have accurate statistics, but we're going to go with this stuff. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. We're not getting good information. There's so much data and so much misinformation. We haven't found a way to, to discern it. I don't know how in one state you can't get all the hospitals together after two and a half months and get collect data every day at the same time and, and just start charting it and it's not happening. So that that's kind of the absence of leadership we're talking about. There's this absence of problem solving and and most of that comes from this position of fear and panic. And that's the part that I'm disappointed in, you know? And it's on both sides. There's not there there's very very few heroes here. The, the heroes are the people you pointed to, Jay, the 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 small business owners, the hospital administrators, the ER doctors, the nurses are showing up every day. The teachers that are teaching kids and coming up with new lessons plans and, and doing it over, you know, video. The the small businesses that are providing food and, and, and hardware and things like that. Those are the heroes. Those are the they, leaders. The those are the absolute the, leaders. You know, the, the people in the warehouses that have Absol- got to that yeah. have got to provide boost morale and keep the spirits of their workers who are who are not socially distant, who can't afford yeah. social distance, Absolutely. who are working on assembly lines and are scared to death. I, I've got, a, got yeah, I've got a client got who's a construction company, national construction company. He got in his truck and he went to 50 different cities in the Northeast this week. Okay. And he delivered food to essential workers, to people that are working at like uh, grocery stores or home depots or things like that, because those are his customers, number one, but he brought food for them and acknowledged them for the work they did. That's what he did because yeah. they can't go to work right now. So he's out there a thousand miles from home passing out to the, and he's going to go to every state he can where his customers are. 
That's his commitment to acknowledge these guys, to be that. That guy's a hero. Yeah. That's, that's C.B. Kuzlik at Let's Pave. That's what he did this week. Yeah. The guy's a freaking hero. He's awesome. You know? He's awesome. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and that's what we, that, that willingness to step in. And, and, it, and the pictures are funny because he's got masks on and he's got gloves on. He's doing it all the right way. And he's driving his pickup truck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's what's going on. And, and that's, and I don't see that from our elected officials. No. I, I see blaming. No. And no. I'm like, what's in the way? There, there's no, there's no, pol- in, in this hide in place, there's no political capital to be gained there. Let, let's, let's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, very frustrated with how we're, how we're going. So what do you see? What's the way out of this, Jason? I mean, you're, you're, you're a, a professional thinker. And, and what I'm seeing is there's an absence of thought, an absence of reasoning, an absence of constructive discourse. And, uh, and what I always look to you is, is not so much the answer, but kind of the doorway to the answer, you know? And I well, think that's one of the great values you provide. Well, I, I think one is just a, like a hard dose of reality. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is going to get, you know, I, I mean, I, when I read scientists, I read Israeli scientists, yeah. I read scientists from, believe it or not, some of the, the good scientists from China, not mm-hmm. you know, like the dissenting ones. Yeah. And I read scientists from around the world mm-hmm. who I don't think have a partisan bias yeah. and are being influenced or are going to be threatened to have their, jo- you know, lose their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I honestly think it's going to get a little worse because the virus seems to be mutating yeah. and, and every single week, something we learn something new about yeah. it. Now it's what really worries me is that because I have a soft spot for children is mm-hmm. that we're seeing this new um affliction of of symptoms um on children so yeah. i think there's a, just a hard dose of reality yeah. that we're going to have to face that it's probably going to get worse and that we um until there's a vaccine in the next 18 months that it's that there are going to be various hot spots in the country mm-hmm. and at the same time we have got to be a lot more resourceful mm-hmm in our own create and exercising our own creative agency in dealing with this thing and going on with life. One of the things as I was listening to the radio yesterday was, you know, what's going to happen to the music industry. Yeah. And they're going to have these, what they call drive-in music concert. You remember like in the old Mm -hmm. days when you and I used to go to the drive-in movie theater, the the drive-in movie theater in McHenry opened up last night and it was fascinating. There was, isn't that fascinating? Yeah. It looked like it was so cool. So they're going to have these music festivals where you drive into your car, mm-hmm. drive, drive in your car. Mm-hmm. And if you want to wear a mask, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I have no problem with people wearing masks, but you drive in your car. Yeah. And um, these bands are going to be performing on stage. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, I go to the supermarket and they have, and this is not mandated by Lori Lightfoot, or mm-hmm. this is not mandated, not Lori Lightfoot, because I'm not, but this is not mandated by the government. I think she's an idiot, but that's okay. <laughs> she's draconian. Like she's like just scared poopless. You know, <laughs> she's she's afraid of her own shadow, and she's a troll monster. Oh my god, I I I picture her in her bedroom in like a dominatrix outfit and a whip. You know, like dictating how things are going to go because she's out of her mind. And she's what four foot eleven? I don't know what she is. She's nuts. But that's just <laughs> me. You know. God, I can't stand her. She's and I thought she was going to be cool. I thought she was kind of funny, but she's nuts. 
She's nuts. She's out of her mind. Yeah, go ahead. Never mind. Well, you know, so I go into the store, and this is not mandated by the governor, but this is just store managers yeah. exercising common sense. So, duh. <laughs> they 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 say, well, you know, reasonably speaking, mm -hmm. we don't want more than sixty right. people in the store, mm -hmm. and so you form a line outside, mm -hmm. and the line moves quickly, and it's yeah. the checkout, and again, the, the the cashiers who should be applauded. Oh my god, are yeah. punching those key, you know, swiping as quickly as they can. Yep, and they've and they've got their face ma face mask on, which they should, mm -hmm. because you know people are coughing, and yeah. people who don't wear masks are right. <laughs> coughing, right, and coughing onto these cashiers. And they're getting people out quickly. And, you know, as for every two people that come out, they send in three people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so things are going to get worse. Yeah. Um, a little bit worse. And, and, but again, we can always strategically use our creative agency yeah. to work within the middle of, of a crisis. The, the analogy I like to come up with, Mike, is when a doctor goes into, a war tones their territory and he sees a thousand people mm -hmm. with broken legs. He doesn't say, or she doesn't say, well, let me break the 1001 person whose leg isn't broken because, and throw his hands up. Yeah. He starts by mending one leg right. at a time. Right. Right. So we have to, in some sense, Take it one step at a time. What? How do we get through this? Instead of, and this is coming, this is going to be very difficult for someone like me who, ever since I landed in this country, has always had a five-year plan. Mm -hmm. Always had a five-year plan. Yeah. Maniacally driven, ambitious. Mm -hmm. We might have to live our lives more incrementally in yeah. small, in, you know, we might, instead of having that one-year plan, we have five-year plan, we have a, a six-month plan, a three, right? Like and right, scale right back. now, it's a one-month plan for me. Or a one-month plan. Yeah, that's really what it right? is. Yeah. So it might mean, in some sense, living more realistically, living more modestly. Yeah. Um, it might mean that you, you know, you hang on to your house a little bit longer mm -hmm. instead of selling it. Yep. Um, we've 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 just got to dig deeper into our souls and find out who we are as people, and finding creative ways in living with this virus. The other thing I we, we always talk about your show on your show is my, and I'll never stop praising because this is what my book was about. Sure. It's if anybody's going to, if any, any phenomenon, I use the word phenomenon because yep. I do think of the American people as a phenomenon. Yep. If any phenomenon is going to save this country, it, it will not come from politicians. Oh no, not at all. It's going to be the American people. Jay, what, what you're talking about is I, I, I so love what you just said. Because what you're talking about is first and foremost, it becomes people awakening to their own strength and power, their own yes, attributes, their own attributes and abilities, right? And really owning those. And then also people taking personal responsibility for their actions and engaging in life in a way that they can. Like, yeah. I can't tell you how to live your life, nor do I need you to tell me how to live my life. I, will, I am willing to take on the personal responsibility and the risk and the threats at the level that I can do it. And I'm not going to disparage anyone who his, has a greater position in mind or a lesser position in mind. Right. I think that's what real freedom's about. That's why I'm so appalled by J.B. Pritzker, because he thinks he knows better how I can live my life than I do. And I, di I fundamentally disagree with that. 
we mm-hmm. we've seen enough. There, I haven't seen a source of of indisputable information that says this is the way it's got to be. So listen, I'm a pretty intelligent guy. I'll get through the day, and if I don't, listen, I'll wear it. I'm not going to sue anybody. And and I think that's what it, what's going to be required. I think we're all going to have to step. I love your idea of stepping back and really slowing the roll. You know, and I think you can still have a five year vision, but you have to have a one month plan or a two month yeah. plan or a three month plan. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying give up on your dreams. I'm just saying tap the brakes and let's look. We got to get through this next. I, I I think I think this is going to be with us for a while, Jay. You know, I I don't yeah. I don't see this going away. I don't see this thing magically disappearing. I think this is a new way of operating, and we've got to find a way, like you pointed to, of how do we coexist with this, and how do we do so in a responsible manner that doesn't threaten our fellow citizens. You know, and I love the idea of outdoor concerts. Can you imagine going to see a cool concert in my pickup truck and we could sit in the back drinking beer? That That'd would be, be fun. Awesome. Wouldn't that be That'd awesome? That'd be awesome. Yeah. Sit in the back. I got this brand new cool pickup truck. You know, three or four people could sit in the back with a cooler and we could consume many beverages. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know what, Mike, speaking as an educator, one thing yeah. that we might have to do is. Yeah you know, fire a lot of these damn bureaucrats. Oh my God. At the, un- at the universities, right? Yeah. Like associate provost, associate dean. <laughs> we don't need them. No. Fire these people and turn the auditoriums into social distancing. So in an auditorium where you would have 400 students, yeah, have you, know, you, you have 200 students that can physically distance, Yeah, lower the tuition costs for these students because what's driving the tuition costs for these students is the bloated salaries um, of yeah. these administrative bureaucrats. I got it. Right. You, you asked me, how, how do we get for, move forward? You know, one of the things I think is to, to get out of unipolar thinking, that is we've got to stop thinking about just COVID, 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 right. COVID, COVID. Right. That in, in, the, in the division of, of moral economic labor, our tasks on multiple levels still have to go on. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, you know, just as an educator, educator, I was thinking about is like, you know, what sorts of departments are absolutely essential to the U.S. economy? Yeah, the science departments, mm-hmm. um, engineering, engineering. Yep. Right. The law school should shut down for all I care. At, We've at got least, too many at, lawyers. At least reduced by about eighty percent. At least reduced. We have got too many. Most lawyers that I know coming out of universities mm-hmm. are having a hard time finding employment. Jason, it's really interesting. I, I've got a I've got a client who is a very very successful lawyer, right? And I asked him a question this week. I said, "Why are there not any lawsuits going, or, or why aren't there more lawsuits going against um, the government because of the what appears to be clear constitutional violations?" You know, he told me. He said, most lawyers can't argue the constitution. Yeah. He says the constitution's, even though it's a short document, it's a very complicated, very intellectually challenging, um, uh, argument to make. Yeah. And he says, there's very few lawyers out there that practice. And and he goes, the reason why is because there's no money in it. Yeah. I, I think one of the things we have to do is we have to rethink the the driver of business it yeah. can't only be profit i mean who's who's rupert murdoch's son robert murdoch yeah you know who runs one of the largest media corporations in the world news corp right 
Yeah. And at the most recent shareholder meeting, he basically did a Gordon Gecko and he said the reason for this organization is profit. And and we've gotten we've it's gotten perverted. And it's been perverted for quite some time where we've put profit above everything. Yeah. And that, this country was not developed to become profitable. This country was developed to be free and from freedom you do, you can deliver profit. Yeah. It's right. not the other way around. Profit right. doesn't deliver freedom. Freedom delivers profit. And yeah. so what's happened is we have kind of a morally corrupted mindset right now. And it's, it's inside our government leadership and it's inside our, our, our big corporations. Yeah. And I think, you know, what, what I would love to see is I would love to see the monopoly laws go into place again, you know, and break down some of these ginormous corporations, especially in technology. Yeah. And, and break up, you know, one of the, you know, one of the challenges and, and I'm getting a little off topic of what you're talking about, but I mean, there's basically five media companies that run all of communication mm. you know, or a large portion of it. Right. And so it, this just isn't, this isn't the idea behind what America was about. You know, you, you've talked often about American exceptionalism and I l- would love to see us restore that ideal. You know, that ideal of freedom, that ideal of free expression, that ideal of discourse, that idea of you and I can disagree and still respect each other and honor each other and and inquire at each other and work it out and develop consensus. That's what I think is needed again, to go back to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I also think like in the humanities, you know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. departments like the social sciences, gender studies, queer studies, <laughs> ethnic studies, women's <laughs> studies, you know, these places are hotbeds of, of, of espousing, you oh, know, neo, neo-Marxism and, and hatred of Marxist indoctrination and hatred of freedom. Absolutely. And hatred of cap, hatred of American hatred of capitalism. Yeah. They should go. Yeah. I've been saying this for a long time. They should go. They got to go. Oh my God! They got you it. know the the major ships in these in these in these disciplines are so low, and uh, and the board of trustees I think would love a lot of universities if these disciplines went. Yeah. So you know we've got to think about like what are what are what are what are and, and open up more vocational schools. Yeah. You right? know, vocational schools have become a bad word because mm-hmm. we've thought of universities as the only way to upward social mobility in this country. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Marco Rubio said something years ago, which really pissed me off. But at the time, yeah, I appreciate it. He said, we need less philosophers and more plumbers. <laughs> and, <laughs> but it's true. We, we have we, we have more philosophers yeah. than we than we can employ them. Yeah. These pe- these philosophers should be in the private schools teaching, uh, teaching literature and philosophy and other yeah. subjects and civics. Right. Yeah. They're very they're, they're polymath. They're Renaissance people. They're pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, the, so we, we have a glut in the market of philosophy, philosophy PhDs. One of the, you know, it looks like I may be moving forward with the new book, right? And one of the chapters in the new book is meaningful work, right? Right. And actually, and, and it's a book for men about men, and it's about men really looking and doing meaningful work, which is what you're talking about, which is being a plumber, being an electrician, being a car mechanic, a motorcycle mechanic, you know, being a heavy equipment operator a bricklayer, you know, a landscaper, a, uh, you know, someone who does concrete, someone who does, you know, paving, 
These, this is all meaningful work that's needed for the forward movement of our society and our culture. Yeah. And it's, and it, and all these jobs pay well, all those jobs pay beyond a living wage, you right. know, and, and you get to work outside with most of them, you know, and it's, uh, and, and there's a, a sense of, I, I know when I was working there's like, even today I can go by a number of projects that I built you know, 10 years ago and, and still have great pride on it. Every time I go by Sox park, you know, there's things that I built there, you know, that are still standing that people enjoy, you know, there's college campuses where I built parts of the campus that, you know, I take pride in. And I think there's, there's something about that when you build things or construct things or create things, you know, there's a real joy in it, a real fulfillment yeah. in it. Right. Yeah. And, and it's not to say that meaningful work can't be found in a, li- a proper liberal arts education not at all. As, we once, as we once had it, yeah. which was about teaching people to think critically, absolutely, civ- civic mindedness, preparing them for citizenry, preparing them for responsible, yeah. um, s- to be a self-governing sovereign agent. But what we're teaching them now in a liberal arts education is hatred of America, yes. hatred of capitalism, you know, that that bigotry and racism are 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 irrevocably uh part of the dna of this country uh it's just it's it's a bunch of malarkey yeah i i think what you're talking about is really needed you mentioned the the restoring of civics there needs to be people that teach civics that teach the 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 ability to think independently the the ability to question exactly that's why listen i i'm not opposed to philosophers i think what philosophers do is teach people how to question and question in a way to, yes. to create new answers and new awareness. Yes. That's more than required. Yes. You know, um, that's essential work. That is meaningful work too. I was just pointing to, I think it's, it's better to be a, you know, a, I, I think there's more ways to be, have create meaningful work than being a barista. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, you and I agree on this. I sure. mean, I'm a big advocate of vocational, of vocational schools. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I see the men in my class who are brilliant, mm-hmm. who don't belong there. They right. belong on a landscape. They belong right. in a, you know, they belong somewhere. They belong under car hood. Yeah. Dri- or, 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 as, or driving a caterpillar tractor, some kind. Right? Somewhere, and they're just as bright as any PhD. Absolutely. Student, Absolutely. You know, it's just that their intelligence domain is in a different, is in a different vector. Absolutely. Well, bud, we're done. We're uh, just about done. And yeah. again, thank you so much, man. I, I, I love the conversations with you. I love the stimulation and the thoughtfulness. It's, it's, thank uh, you. You're a dude, man. So well, we'll let's be... say to our fellow Americans, you know, just keep keep the faith, keep your agency alive, keep yes. your optimism in this country alive. Don't give up on America. And we're and, out of uh, here. It, yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. This is Mike and Jay. Into the guy. Bye.